What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome. Not sure if you knew this, but we're in a war. Against an evil faction that just won't quit. But little do they know, with Christ Jesus in our heart, we will win this war because this is the Lord's fight. We are firm, we're steadfast, and we're uncompromising. As it states in Joshua 1.9, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Welcome to His Hard Line. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jason. I am the co-host here at His Hard Line. We are having a His Hard Line discussion today on this Saturday, April 2nd, 2022, just a little bit past 7.30. And I do apologize for the simple fact that this discussion typically takes place on Thursday. But as you all know, if you were listening to the last episode or two, that, uh, you know, I had a travel day on Thursday. It's been a chaotic day on Thursday. It was a chaotic day yesterday. And now I'm kind of starting to kind of get into a little bit of a groove here. And so, but it'll be just a very short order before I get back home. So, and then have to get back to my other schedule, you know, my other routine. So, which that'll be easy to get back into. That'll be no problem. But anyway, welcome. I hope everybody's having a good Saturday. And I guarantee you probably a lot of people will just be listening to this on the download, on the replay. Um, I'll be honest with you. I typically don't do uh, podcasts on Saturday because I like to keep that family day. But because I am in a hotel in Kentucky, um, my family is with their parents right now enjoying a nice dinner after church. So I hope they're having a good time. I love them very much. So I just hope they have a good time with their family because, you know, family is everything. And I know it seems so cliche and sometimes seems shallow when people say that. But when I say family is everything, family is everything, really. And family doesn't necessarily have to mean, you know, um, blood related. I mean, some of people's, you know, whether if you're adopted or your best friend, you look at a best friend as like a sister or a brother, you know, it, what, 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 what portrays someone as like legit family is how, A, how they treat you for one. That's a big part of it because there's a lot of family members out there that are biologically related that treat each other like crap. But really, more importantly, it's are they with you thick and thin, right? Are they always there? Are they supportive? You know, I mean, is it a give, you know, is it a is it a two way street in the relationship of that of that relationship? Right. But family is so important. So I hope they're having a good time. And so anyways, tonight's discussion is uh, and I was kind of struggling. There's a few topics I wanted to discuss, but um, this one kind of hit me because I was praying to God and I was asking him today in my 12 hour shift, Lord, what do you want me to discuss? Because I am kind of at a loss. I have a few things in mind, but I don't want to discuss things that you wouldn't want me to discuss. So, you know, I, I prayed on it and literally I actually had no radio on in my semi all day today. And if you know how challenging that can be, I mean, if you're going to work and you have like a 30 minute commute, just going to work without having a radio on 
albeit peaceful, but for many, it could be kind of chaotic because they're not chaotic, but kind of maddening because it's like you're so used to listening to the news or radio or whatever, something you're listening to something. There's always something people are listening to, which brings me to another episode that I'm going to do in the future about noise and how there's so many distractions out there. But that's going to be a different topic. I, I was going to do that today, but that's going to be later. Um. And so what hit me today was, uh, you know, because of everything that's happening with the whole Ukraine and Russia thing, and I'm not going to really discuss that whole conflict because I don't know much about it because I am not directly involved. I'm not going to sit here behind this mic and claim, you know, different things and say different things. And I'm going to tell you, too, uh, some of the stuff I will say on this show tonight, first off. Um, will be some of my own thoughts and opinions, but then there's going to be some things I'm be reading off that, um, as far as the topic here are going to be from online. I was doing a little research on a, there's a website called the history collection, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I found it and I've in, in, and the reason I know there's some validity to what I was reading is because this isn't the first time that I've seen or read some of this information. I've heard this many, many times over in the past and, you know, granted, does that make it truth? Yeah, probably not. However, more than likely it is because it is very well documented with a, with a lot of what I'm about to kind of share here tonight. And so we're going to discuss, you know, the Third Reich of Nazis and some of the big name corporations that we know today and how those big corporations were affiliated with the Third Reich of Nazis then and now. I mean, I believe we're even still dealing with a fourth Reich of Nazis, which is out in Ukraine, which is why, you know, Russia's doing what they're doing. And, I, you know, you could say whatever you want. Oh, they're they're bombing children and, and women's hospitals and, you know, maternity wards. No, they're not. OK, now here's the thing. That whole big story about how Russia bombed a hospital that was a maternity ward and a hospital for sick children. Yes, that did happen. But here's the one detail that they left out. That was decommissioned and it was being used as a military installation from for these neo-Nazis. OK, and if you actually think about it, it's quite brilliant because if you. If you want to put yourself undercover, what's the one area you got to put yourself in areas that, you know, typically in war wouldn't get bombed or destroyed unless that opponent happens to have some really good, deep intel churches, hospitals with women and children. Right. You're you're going to embed yourself in those kind of camouflage like, you know, uh, locations. And again, I'm not going to sit here and claim. Russia's good or Ukraine's good or Russia's bad or Ukraine's bad. I'm going to remain silent on that because, again, there is so much disinformation out there now. But here's what I will discuss, though, because here's the thing. What happened back during World War II and the murder and the genocide of millions of Jews, women, men and children. That's an unspeakable crime against humanity. Now, where the Nazis came from, who they are, I don't know. But what I am going to say is it's there. that's a level of evil that cannot be tolerated. That's a level of evil that cannot be forgotten. And it's a level of evil that must be wiped off the face of the earth. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care if Nazis are conservatives or Nazis are liberals or Nazis are whatever. If you subscribe to that party or that affiliation... And that affiliation has been known to destroy humanity by putting them in, gassing them to death and committing, you know, unthinkable 
you know, medical experiments on them and, and cutting these people up while they're alive with no antiseptics or any type of numbing agents or anything like that. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just, you don't do that. So one thing I know for sure is whoever they were, when I say they, these evil, this evil faction that called themselves the Third Reich, and I, I also believe that the Fourth Reich that we're still dealing with, because we have them here in America, I know we do, Ukraine, and I'm sure throughout Europe as well, but mostly Ukraine, and yes, here in our country, unfortunately, I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds of all that, all those details, but here's the thing. Before we get into the discussion, okay, and when again, the discussion is going to be talking about some of the major corporations that still exist today and how they were affiliated with this evil organization that we know, know as the Third Reich and the Fourth Reich that we're dealing with today. But before we discuss that, there was a general back in World War II. His name was General George Patton. He gave a speech back in May. I, I want to say it was May 31st, 1944, to his soldiers. I think he, they were in England before they were about to go to war against the Nazis. Now, I don't typically mark this show as explicit content because before I go live, there's a little question that says explicit material, yes or no. I always put no, but because of the speech that I'm going to about to play that I put together, he does say a lot of, you know, some B words in there. He doesn't drop any F bombs, but he does drop the B word here and there. And, um, a few other, you know, I mean, he's listen, just do the math. All right. Use your own common sense. We're talking about a general about ready to go to war in World War II against the Nazis, okay, speaking to his soldiers. So I'm going to tell you right now, you're, it's, it, the language that he uses is not something that you would see on, uh, say, a Lifetime movie, okay? We're going to play this real quick. It's about yeah, four and a half-ish minutes long, okay? But listen, because the speech that he gave to his men First off, very powerful, but the speech is very much alive, still applies to today with what we have going on with this elite faction that's out there, these nasty, nasty elite scumbags that still commit these crimes against humanity and particularly among our children. Here it is. I want you to remember that no bastard ever won war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. Men, all this stuff you heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. 
Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because the very thought of losing is hateful to America. Now, an army is a team. It lives, eats, sleeps, fights as a team. This individuality stuff is a bunch of crap. The bilious bastards who wrote that stuff about individuality for the Saturday Evening Post don't know anything more about real battle than they do about fornicating. Now we have the finest food and equipment, the best spirit, and the best men in the world. You know, my God, I actually pity those poor bastards we're going up against. By God, I do. We're not just going to shoot the bastards. We're going to cut out their living guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks. We're going to murder those lousy Hun bastards by the bushel. Now, some of you boys, I know, are wondering whether or not you'll chicken out under fire. Don't worry about it. I can assure you that you will all do your duty. The Nazis are the enemy. Wade into them. Spill their blood. Shoot them in the belly. When you put your hand into a bunch of goo that a moment before was your best friend's face. You know what to do. Now, there's another thing I want you to remember. I don't want to get any messages saying that we are holding our position. We're not holding anything. Let the Hun do that. We are advancing constantly, and we're not interested in holding on to anything except the enemy. We're going to hold on to him by the nose, and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time, and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. Hmm. There's one thing that you men will be able to say when you get back home. And you may thank God for it. 30 years from now, when you're sitting around your fireside with your grandson on your knee, and he asks you, what did you do in the great World War II? You won't have to say, well, I shoveled shit in Louisiana. All right, now you sons of bitches, you know how I feel. Mm. I will be proud to lead you wonderful guys into battle anytime, anywhere. That's all. And there you have it. It was George, General George Patton. And he gave that speech to his men, his soldiers, 
in May 31st of 1944. Now, the difference between that war that they went into and the war we're seeing today, and yes, there is a war. I had somebody comment on one of my previous episodes saying, what war are we in? Like, what war? That's what they said. What war? Because I made mention of it. There is a war on so many levels. Yeah, we're not in a hot war where there's tanks going on, right? And U.S. troops are getting sent overseas. Yeah, they want it. They, that's what they're trying to do. But they're, I hate to break it to you. They're not in control. When I say they, who's they? Well, the Biden administration, quote unquote, administration, <clears throat> fake administration. And I do not say that lightly. Um, the corporation of the United States of America. All right. The United States Corporation. Excuse me. Let's be clear. All right. They're not in control. They want to try to get war popped off for many reasons, but we're not going to get into that part of the discussion because that goes down a whole different uh, avenue. But here's the thing. The war that we're in is not a hot war. We are in not just an informational war, but we are in a spiritual war. Obviously, we've all heard it. We're in a war of good and evil. Where are We are in an informational war. We are in a financial war. We are in a war of power of this country. We are in a... Um, a genomic war. Well, what's that? A genomic war. Well, what came out that people were getting injected with to, oh, I don't know, treat a certain virus that's out there. And now we're starting to understand and realize that this injection not only has mRNA and nanoparticles in there, but it's manipulating the DNA and it's causing autoimmune deficiencies in people. It's creating myocarditis and I don't know about nine to 10 other pages worth of ailments, potential ailments, of course, but still ailments nonetheless. And no, they're not side effects. They were indeed meant to be effects of the shot. All brought to you by Pfizer, right? And Moderna, all these big pharmaceutical companies, which leads me to the discussion that we want to talk about tonight. The pharmaceutical industry is not your friend, especially Bayer. We'll get into that. But here's the thing. Germany's Nazi era was one of the darkest chapters in human history. And fortunately for mankind, Hitler's, you know, thousand year Reich lasted what appeared to be only 12 years before getting stomped into the dirt. But see, that's what we thought. That's what we were taught. They were never stomped into the dirt because we're dealing with the Fourth Reich today, not just in this nation, but aggressively in Ukraine because of all the biolabs they got going on there. And that's a whole different story there. But still, Germany was one of the world's leading economies at that time, which meant that many companies and some of them are still thriving today. We're more than happy to do business with the Nazis. And I'm going to talk about some of those companies. One of them was Hugo Boss. They were an active Nazi 
Uh, Hugo Boss was an active Nazi who produced uniforms for the brown shirts and the Hitler Youth. Yeah. You know, in fact, in 2013, comedian Russell Brand was actually kicked off of the GQ magazine's Men uh, of the Year award um, event that they had after cracking jokes about the event sponsor, Hugo Boss, and its Nazi ties. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you didn't know that. <sighs> Now, it's not just Hugo Boss. There's more. <laughs> now, another one is Volkswagen. People don't know this. Volkswagen was actually founded by the Nazis. In fact, the cute little Beetle was Hitler's dream car. Mm -hmm. In 2016, Volkswagen took the lead from Toyota as being the world's biggest car manufacturer and they were you know, produced over 6 million automobiles and they've employed over 620 plus thousand people worldwide. The company whose iconic VW Beetle is so cute and popular that it became the star of uh, that movie uh, from Disney, Herbie the Love Bug, that, that movie franchise. And that, of course, came a long way from its Nazi origins. Indeed, you know, the VW Beetle owes its creation to two men, engineer Ferdinand Porsche and Adolf Hitler. But you wouldn't know that. Now, in, 19, in the 1930s, the German automobile industry was geared toward luxury cars. That was beyond the means of most Germans. There is no domestic equivalent of the mass-produced and affordable Ford Model T, so average Germans had to do with motorcycles and personal transport, or they just simply walked or rode a bicycle. They were fortunate to have that, but most people did without. And really, only 2% of the Germans actually owned a car in those days. But again, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that if you didn't do your own research or if somebody didn't tell you. And I bet you if somebody told you, you'd be like, no, that's fake news. Listen, I'm going to keep saying the same thing I've always said that anybody else would say. Don't take my word for it. Go do your own research. I said it yesterday. Now, because there was such a low rate of car ownership made uh, of car ownership, it made Germany a huge potential market for being able to afford cars. And many sought to take the lead by launching the People's Car projects, which was Volkswagen in German. And one such uh, one of them was, for, like I said, Ferdinand Porsche, which we all know the name Porsche. Porsche, however you want to pronounce it, right? But he was a, you know, well-known, it was a well-known race car and it was a luxury automobile. He was a luxury automobile designer who sought to interest manufacturers in his design for a small and affordable family car. And now in 1933, Porsche built his concept car, a forerunner of the VW Beetle, which he named Volks Auto. And it had a torsion 
suspension in a beetle shape with a rounded front hood and, you know, for better aerodynamics to compensate in part for the small air-cooled rear engine. Now, after the Nazis came into power in 1933, Hitler jumped on the people's car bandwagon, if you will, and in February of 1933, just weeks after becoming uh, Reich Chancellor, he announced plans for the people's motorization in 1934 and issued a decree for the production of the basic car capable of transporting two adults and three children at 62 miles per hour while costing only 990 Reichmarks. Reichsmarks which was about $400 in the 1930s in U.S. standard dollars. And Hitler fell in love with Ferdinand Porsche's design, but Germany's auto industry could not produce the car for that price in its existing plant, so Hitler ordered upstate-owned factory to produce the Volkswagen. Paid for through the savings plans of about five Reichsmarks a week at a time when the average weekly income was about 32 RM, and the new car was within the financial means of most Germans. Now, construction of the new factory began in May of 1938 in a town that was uh, purpose-built for Volkswagen workers in Wolfsburg, Germany. It was the richest; it's the richest city today, and has a you know with a GDP per capita of about 130,000 U.S. dollars. Of course, I was at that time, but because of its thriving auto industry, however, only a few cars had been built when World War II began in 1939, and the factory retooled from consumer cars to military manufacturer. Now, after the war, Volkswagen resumed civilian production, and the company was offered to American, British, and French car manufacturers, all whom rejected it, including Ford, which we're going to talk about him in a little bit. And even though it was offered up, to them, free of charge, by 1946, Volkswagen was producing about a 1,000 cars a month, and by 1948, it was becoming an icon of West Germany, West Germany's economic rival, and beginning its rise to global automotive uh, dominance. Yeah. There you go, folks. Volkswagen. So if you got a Volkswagen, you are driving a car that was founded by the Nazis. Oh, I tell you what, it's so funny because these people who claim to be woke, I tell you what, if you're driving a Volkswagen, you're not so woke. Here's another company, Fanta, you know, like the orange soda pop, Fanta. We're all very familiar with it. I've drank it. I had no idea about this when I read it. I was like, whoa. Yeah, Fanta was born in Nazi Germany during World War II as well. Actually, Fanta was one of Coca-Cola's most popular products. Comes in over 70 flavors. Sold in over 188 countries. And yeah, it was actually first concocted and manufactured in Nazi Germany during World War II. I'm not going to get into that whole story, but yeah, it's affiliation with Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. What else? What else? Did you know that BMW's owners were Hitler's closest friends? Which, I mean, I would stand to make sense since it stands for Bavarian Motor Works. BMW is a German car. Yeah. 
you know, ever since its founding, Bavarian Motor Works has been known for their high-quality luxury automobiles and until 45, 1945, that is, for their aircraft engines. And the company, which today produces luxury cars and motorcycles, is a multinational, is a multinational with plants in Germany and in the U.S., the U.K., China, India, Brazil, South Africa. It's less known... And less known is that its major shareholders, the Quant family, were close friends and admirers of Hitler and the Nazis. Yeah. Look it up, guys. I'm not telling you nonsense here. You need to look this up. Here's another one. Kodak. Remember Kodak? The film company? Yeah. Kodak did business with Nazi Germany during the war and profited from the use of slave, uh, slave, uh, bleh, can't talk, slave labor. Here we go, Jason. It's not even a hard word. How'd you, I don't know how he messed that word up. But throughout most of the 20th century, Kodak was a corporate giant in the world's leading, you know, uh, photography, uh, photographic film company. And before its failure to keep abreast of digital camera technology doomed to its, you know, relative oblivion, what few knew for decades after the end of World War II was that Kodak had collaborated with Nazi Germany and traded with the Germans even after America had entered the war. Kodak's Nazi ties were revealed in the early 2000s when evidence recovered from the National Archives detailed the extent of the company's collaboration with the Third Reich. It was conducted via the company's branches in neutral Switzerland, Spain, and Portugal, all of which were directly controlled by the company's headquarters in Rochester, New York, and all of which did business with Germany. Kodak bought supplies from Germany and paid for them with hard currency that the Nazis desperately needed during the war, and that, however, was at the mild end of the company's cooperation though, with the Third Reich. Kodak also had close relationship with Hitler's personal economic advisor, and through him, the company continued to exercise a measure of control over its German branch, even during the war. Yeah. Didn't know that, did you? There's another company, company Simons, Siemens, S-I-E-M-E-N, S. They also made a killing during the Holocaust. They were a big conglomerate. Their factories would churn out a wide range of products in the fields of electronics and electronical engineering products, energy, medical goods, drives, fire safety, industrial plant goods. In fact, in the Nazi era, it was Germany's biggest industrial conglomerate and made use of slave laborers by the hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. That company was founded in 1847. And it actually hit a rough patch after World War I, and then things did not get any better during the Great Depression. So it was saved by the Nazis when Hitler and company took control of Germany in 1933, and Simons profited as the new regime started rearming. And the company experienced massive growth from armaments contracts. And as the leaders of Germany's electrical engineer or industry, excuse me, electrical industry, 
Simon's uh, revenue increased continuously from 1934 onwards, reaching a peak during World War II. Yeah. That's another one. Dig into that one a little bit. Jason, who else? IBM. Oh, yeah, I know you've heard that one. IBM put its technology at the Nazis' disposal, facilitating the Holocaust. In fact, in 2001, a bombshell of a book by Edwin Black, IBM and the Holocaust, drew in over 20,000 documents that were unearthed from the archives in numerous countries to describe the 12-year-old alliance between IBM and the Third Reich. While numerous American companies had done business in Germany, even after Hitler and his Nazis crowd took over, they cut their business once the war broke out. Not so IBM, which continued doing business with the Third Reich, putting its cutting-edge technology to facilitate the administrative aspects of carrying out the Holocaust. Yes, but yet IBM still exists today. Guaranteed, probably owned and operated by, you guessed it, Bill Gates. (sighs) Are you getting sick yet? Because these companies still exist. IBM was the leader in the punch card in data manufacturing technology, and in 1933, soon after Hitler and the Nazis took power, the company's president traveled to Germany, and he oversaw the building of an IBM factory and the establishment of local subsidiary that was hired by the Nazis to conduct a detailed census, and that census focused on identifying Jews, gypsies, and other undesirables marked for future extermination. Yeah. Yeah, IBM supplied a punch card system that allowed the Nazis to easily sort through the gathered data. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not going to continue on there, but Do your research on IBM and the Third Reich. You'd be sickened by what you find. If I went through everything here, this show would be about two and a half hours, and I just don't simply have that kind of time. I'm trying to just kind of cover the, you know, cliff notes here, kind of main points. Yeah, IBM and the Holocaust, yeah. And yet, here we are. We're dealing with, you know, IBM still. And like I said, there's Bayer. We'll get into Bayer in a minute. But Bayer was a member of a conglomerate that produced the chemicals that was also used in the Holocaust. But yet we still got Bayer medication, specifically in aspirin, on the you know in the stores at Walmart, right? All your grocery outlets out there, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Bayer is everywhere. Bayer is actually a German pharmaceutical company that was historically best known as the makers of aspirin and most recently for making wonder drugs such as Levitra and to soccer fans as the initial sponsors of uh, Bundesliga, Club Bayer, uh, Leverkusen. I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of that right. But it also owns household brands such as Claritin, Coppertone, and Dr. Scholl's. And for most of its history, Bayer was a run-of-the-mill business, except for when it was part of the IG Farben, the chemical conglomerate that produced the poisonous chemical used in the Holocaust. Here's the thing. 
So Bayer was founded in 1863, and it was an independent company. But in 1925, it became part of the IG Farben, a union of a major chemical company. And they modeled themselves after Standard Oil in a quest to form a monopoly. Now, the new conglomerate would then go on to participate in numerous atrocities during the Nazi era. And it began even before the war even broke out when the Western powers handed Czechoslovakia to Hitler in a failed attempt to uh, at appeasement. Now, IG Farben worked closely with the Nazis and Germany's military, instructing them which chemical factories should be seized and delivered to IG Farben. And they did the same during the invasion of Poland. Now, when the Holocaust began, the German authorities grew concerned for their initial means of killing Jews and other undesirables, such as mass shootings and great, great, uh, gassing in vans, were slow, inefficient, and took too much of the psychological toll on the murderers. Oh, poor babies. If you didn't want to murder people, then you shouldn't be signing up for such an evil, freaking nefarious job. I know God is the ultimate judge, but you know what? As far as I'm concerned, in my own earthly understanding and my own ways of thinking, to hell with all of them. Continuing. Now, IG, IG Farben owned a, uh, what do you want to call it? A cyanide-based insecticide. It was called Zyklon B. And proposed that it's used in sealed rooms as a speedy means of disposing of large numbers of people. And tests that they conducted proved them right, and thus were born the gas chambers of the extermination camps in Auschwitz. And IG Farben would then go on to produce and supply the Nazis with Cyclone B gas canisters that they needed to kill millions of men, women, and children. But yet here we are buying Bayer products, the same company, the same company. Folks, we're not even a hundred years in from when that happened. This was all back in the 30s and 40s. We're in 2022. This wasn't even a hundred years ago. To some, that might seem like forever, but you know what? When you really think about the whole scope of time, that wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Here, Bayer created this gas, this, this chemical that killed millions of people, women, men, and children. Zyklon B. Bayer the company that we buy aspirin from. Seriously. How are they still in business? Why? Because we, even if we did know it, people are just like, oh, yeah, eh, it didn't affect me. That's the freaking mentality anymore these days. If it doesn't affect you, who cares? And that's the wrong way to be. The Associated Press, that's another one. They engaged in self-censorship and fired its German-Jewish staff to placate to the Nazis. Yeah, the AP. The AP was formed in May of 1846 by five New York City newspapers. And to pool their resources and share the cost of covering the Mexican-American War, the cooperative venture proved a success, and the AP grew and expanded over the years. 
And as other media outlets joined, today the AP is owned by its member newspapers and TV and radio stations who contribute stories to the AP pool and news material written by AP staff journalists. But it's generally been a paragon of good journalism, earning a you know fifty-two Pulitzer prizes since you know the award was established in nineteen seventeen. However, a significant deviation from good journalism occurred during the Hitler years when the AP collaborated with Nazi authorities to facilitate its reporting from Germany. When Hitler and company came into power in 33, they began exerting pressure on international news organizations operating in the Third Reich to conform to Nazi standards. And one such standard was the editor's law enacted by the new regime to strictly limit what newspapers, sorry about that, what newspapers were allowed to publish. And it also restricted the profession of journalism to Aryans and mandated that Jews be removed from newsrooms. Do you see how far this goes? You don't think freaking, you know, you don't think propaganda was spread through that? And then you got, in addition to its founder, the notorious anti-Semite himself, Henry Ford, he collaborated with the Third Reich as well. I don't even want to talk about this in great length, but yeah, Henry Ford. Founder of Ford Motor Company. And I tell you what, I hate to say it, I was a Ford, a big Ford man, but now after re- reading more about this, mm-mm, I'm thinking Jason's going to have to find a f- new favorite um, brand of vehicle because what I had found out was very disgusting. And it just sickens me. But Ford was one of the very few major corporations that actually high, you know, even though Ford was very anti-Semitic, he was one of the very few corporations back then that actually hired black workers and did not discriminate against Jewish workers or suppliers. But on the other hand, Henry Ford had strong, had strongly held anti-Semitic views. So, so anti-Semitic that Hitler praised him in his book, Mein Kampf. And he was decorated by Nazi Germany. So, it is unsurprising that his company collaborated with the Third Reich. <laughs> I tell you. This is, this is, these are the companies, these are the large companies that dealt with the Nazis then and now. And they probably still are. Maybe not so much now, but then they played a huge role. (sighs) Anyway, I just wanted to kind of shed a little light on that because this is kind of a history that has been uncovered that is not talked about. You're not going to hear this in the news. You're not going to see this in any documentaries. I mean, you have to dig for this information, ladies and gentlemen. I've done so much reading and research. Sorry about that. I've done so much reading and research on so many different topics over the years for the last, I don't know, what, mid-30s? So, I mean, for at least the last 13, 14 years. 
so much research on so many different topics, some so far out there that I couldn't even believe them myself. I'm like, no, there's no way. But as we start to uncover little by little all these ugly truths that have been hidden from us, people will either clam up and recluse in themselves and just they just shut themselves out of the world and be like, nope, 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 don't want to hear it. They put their heads in the sand like an ostrich and they just don't want to hear anything about it. Or they get so sickened and disgusted, but yet intrigued to understand the fact that, wow, we have been lied about so much by so many levels within our institutions and government that people start taking initiative and actually doing some actual digging and investigatory work and actually looking at what really is happening because we're starting to see a lot of old history unearthed. Now, again, I will always say, be very cautious what you read and hear out there. And again, a lot of what I talk about, do not take my word for it. Do your own research. Do your own homework. Be diligent. Use discernment. Pray to God and ask for that discernment. Ask to be able to have the ability to sift through the nonsense and the BS and the fakery and fraudulent stories out there. Because there are a lot of them. Why? Because they want, just like I was reading in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in my His Hard Line discussion. They want to, they want to, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, my wife is trying to call. I gotta, let me send her a quick text real quick. You know, they, they, they um, want to erase history in text because they don't want people remembering. That's why they're trying to do away with the Bible. That's why they're trying to do it with Christianity. They're trying to erase what happened to people, you know, what, what happened to the ancestors of people so that they, you know, because if it, it, here's just, just read, either go back and listen to his hard line 1% or less with him and just listen to that. You'll understand what I'm talking about. But basically what they're doing is they're just trying to erase history altogether because they don't want people to remember. So, and the reason they don't want people to remember is because they want to continue on with their plans, this evil, nefarious, satanic, Luciferian plan. And then you're going to also see stories out there of, oh, but the Nazis were good. There's this, like, I think there's this video series out there called Europa. And it basically, I don't want to say glorifies Nazis, but tells a quote unquote different history about the Nazis and Hitler and how he was actually a good man. It's like, uh, I don't. I don't know about that. I, I just, all I know is that they killed millions. There's no reason for killing millions. Those are God's children. Literal children, men and women. And I don't care who they are and who they were represented by, who they were started by. I, I don't care. The bottom line is they committed mass murder. That's wrong. And it's sick. And that's just, that's just a very small fraction of what they did. Never mind all the scientific, you know, scientific experiments that they conducted in humans while they were alive and tortured them. I mean, there's just so many unthinkable, unspeakable things that they did. Which 
and you know me, I will always bring a little bit of reference of the assemblies. I know we had Nuremberg that only did so much for obvious reasons, because we never won that war. They just retreated and they hid and they ultimately regrouped. And that's what we're dealing with today. But at the end of the day, the people's grand jury, which belonged to the people in assembly, these people are going to pay in these grand juries. You're going to start seeing heavy indictments against big known names that you once trusted. And it's going to really freak a lot of people out. It's going to rock so many people's realities there and the truths that they once knew. I mean, really it's, it's, it's going to be astounding with what's about to come here in the very, very, very near future. But Jason, how do you know that? Just trust me. Okay. Trust me. Don't trust me. I mean, you don't even have to trust me, but here's the thing. Just wait and see. I guess that's the best thing I could say because you don't know me from Adam. And like I said, always verify. Don't trust. Always verify, though. Do your own homework. I can't stress that enough. Okay. So anyway, that's all I got for you guys today. And I'll be back tomorrow with a uh, episode of 1% or less with him, a chapter a day Bible reading. And like I said, I just wanted to bring a little light to this because, you know, these corporations that dealt with the Third Reich of Nazism back then are the same companies that are still in power now. And people don't know it, especially Bayer. I mean, Bayer, that's the one I can't understand. Bayer, they're the ones that make aspirin, but yet they they had a chemical called Zyklon B that was used to mass murder millions in these gas chambers. Bayer, ladies and gentlemen. But yet we still go to the store and we buy this crap at the freaking store to to cure a headache. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to support a company that killed millions back then. No. Anyway, that's all I got. I hope you all have a good night. We're going to end this out with a closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for giving us discernment to try to find out the truth little by little. And as ugly as some of this truth is, we still got to keep pressing forward because you know, <laughs> you know that we're not being taught about it in our schools. We're not being taught about it on TV or in the news because they're all part of the same evil entity. They're all trying to brainwash and they're all trying to push their own satanic evil agenda on the world and in this Western society we call America. We just pray that you keep guiding us. Look, we repent of our sins, not just as a nation, but individually, because at the end of the day, we can't become a blessed and healed land without repenting of our sins and all the unspeakable atrocities that we commit, particularly the abortions that are probably still being committed to this day. Please forgive this land. Please forgive this nation. We will get you back at the top of the throne, Lord. But we need your guidance at the same time, and we need your mercy. We pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ, amen. And so, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we still got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. Um, it's just, I, I, I got really no words to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's just at the end of the day, I, I, I don't know. At the end of the day, 
We just need to keep praying, but we also need to be not just prayer warriors, but we need to be active. We need to be active of not only pushing this truth out there, but we need to be active in our own local governments because we don't affect change on the federal level and the worldwide level without being active and on, on the local county level. So, like I said, you know, remember, you know, as it states in Joshua 1, 9, I command you, be strong and steadfast and do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And this is what it means to be a hardliner. We're firm and we're steadfast. And yes, we are uncompromising and we are warriors for Christ. And this is the Lord's fight. Isaiah 42, 13 also reminds us, the Lord goes forth like a warrior, like a man of war. He stirs up his fury and he shouts out his battle cry against his enemies. He shows his might. And that's what we will be doing here. We will hold his hard line and we will show his might. I hope you all have a good night. Have a blessed night. Stay safe. Have a good rest of your weekend. Signing off until next time. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the day. That concludes our discussion. Remember, remember, it's all about being firm, steadfast, and uncompromising. Our job here is to expand the kingdom of our Heavenly Father. Get to visit us at www.hisheartline.com. Until then or the next time, we'll see you then.